Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Paul Carbone, President and Managing Partner at Pritzker Private Capital, a family-backed investment firm based in Chicago. We'll talk about what the past year has looked like for the firm during the pandemic and some of their more recent initiatives. Paul, thanks for joining me. I'm delighted. Thank you. So what did deal activity look like for you over the past year during the pandemic? And and how did that compare with the number of deals that you do in, say, a, a more typical year? Amazingly, it was it was a very busy year last year. And let me tell you why I think it was a busy year. First, let's start with our, our existing companies. They performed um, very well. We, we invest in essential businesses. We have great management teams. They worked closely with our operations group, which is a major differentiator for us. So the team of executives, former executives who bring talents and capabilities work closely with our companies. You stir all that together, they perform very well. And as a result, we could be front-footed in the marketplace. We were aggressive in terms of talking with family businesses, helping them think through the issues helping them deal with the volatility that some of them hadn't really been exposed to for quite a while. And as a result, we were able to find companies that were interested in us as a partner. They wanted our capital, but they wanted us as a partner. And so we invested a number of terrific businesses last year on companies like EDP, uh, Vertelis, um, others. So a number of platform investments, actually more platform investments last year than than in prior years. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, nearly a dozen add-on acquisition opportunities uh, across our company. So lots of activity. And I guess the final point I'd make on this is, is I think we were particularly busy again because of the family capital dynamic. Family investor in the marketplace, times of volatility, times of disruption. I really do believe, and I think it was proven this past year, family capital can come to the fore. Uh, and provide differential value to sellers who value the differences we bring to the marketplace. And I think that played out amazingly well last year. As you talked to founders over the last year, did you notice any type of shift in their receptiveness to receiving outside capital? And, And if so, did their motivation for considering investment, did that tend to be offensive or defensive? The answer to that is yes. Um, it was both. We saw companies who were uh, wanted to go on the offense. Uh, family businesses said, we see this as a terrific opportunity to expand our franchise, build our business, grow in the face of turmoil. Um, we saw other family businesses saying they wanted to play more defensive. They had all their chips in, in one basket. They were exposed. They felt they, they wanted a partner to help them through this difficult time. So we saw and we're having discussions with family businesses um, from both perspectives. And in fact, we even saw many family businesses that historically would never would have entertained third-party capital um, having a discussion because the volatility just, I think, forced families to reprioritize their objectives, their needs. And they had to step back and think about what was important, what did they want to accomplish as a family and as a family business. The other thing I'd mention is you know, historically, we talk about acquisitions when you, when you talk about control. We had many more minority investment discussions during the last 12 months. Families 
who weren't convinced they wanted to, to sell control of their family business, but recognize the value of a partner like us, recognize the value of having incremental liquidity. And so we had a number of discussions on the minority investor front, and, and I think that's going to continue. So it was a fascinating year of, di- of dialogue and discussions and productivity. And I think the the point about minority capital, you know, that that really speaks to the flexibility that family offices can offer founders. So I wondered if you could say more about that and if there's other ways in which flexibility has benefited the firm over the past year. As I mentioned, I do think uncertainty allows family capital and the value of family capital to come to the fore and, and, and from several perspectives. Um, family capital has the flexibility relative to duration. And that allows family investors to focus on the important, to look past the immediate, to, to, to deal with the big picture issues, the important elements of businesses and business building, and really ignore sort of the short-term volatility. That's liberating. And when you can take that perspective and buy great businesses, look, look past the canyon that we're, we're dealing with to the rim on the other side. It allows you to think about flexible structures. We just mentioned minority investing. You can bring flexibility, customize a solution to a family and a family business and what their needs are. So it was exciting for us. I mean, obviously meaningful pain in the marketplace, disruption, it's a tragedy obviously across multiple fronts. But when you have an opportunity to buy franchise businesses and build those businesses for the long term, you don't see that often. And we saw that last year. It reminds me of a comment I heard another family office investor make, which was something along the lines of long-term investing isn't just short-term investing for longer. And he was ultimately making the point that long-term investing really does require an entirely different strategy. You bring a different perspective. You sit in our boardrooms. We make decisions on building the business, not building the business for the next three years or two years. How do you make a great business? across multiple perspectives. And then it's, as I mentioned, it's liberating in terms of how you think about your human capital. How do you invest in your human capital? How do you invest in your physical uh, capital, your facilities? It it brings a different perspective. And if you do a thought experiment, again, not not to talk about negative about traditional sources of capital, they have their benefits. But if you do a thought experiment and you say, you want to hold a business for 15 years. You want to build a business for 15 years. If, you, if we build a business for 15 years, we'll end up at X point on the mountain, let's say. But if you compare that to three traditional sources of capital that, that invest in the business each for five years, I think we're going to end up at a higher point on the mountain hmm. in terms of our ability to build a business and make it better. I think it's a different approach and has different results. I'm curious, Paul, whether the pandemic revealed any new opportunities or risks within your target sectors that might factor into your investment decisions going forward. Just as a reminder, in terms of our, our target sectors, we are, we are focused in terms of where we invest. And, and we invest in three big sectors, manufactured products, services, and healthcare, and have subsectors and, and industries of focus. We think you've got to bring expertise Uh, to the table. In terms of general company characteristics, again, I mentioned we invest in essential businesses, high free cash flow, typically B2B businesses. Uh, What we learned during the pandemic is it reinforced what we were doing and why we were doing it. 
when you invest in essential businesses, when you invest in high free cash flow businesses, when you bring expertise and sector focus to your investing, it reinforces what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because volatile, we were able to sail through the volatility. Now, we, we had volatility, don't get me wrong, but we were able to successfully navigate our way through it. In terms of challenges that sort of we've seen um, and risks that we've seen amplified during the period, and I'll mention one, it's, it's the supply chain. It's mm. interesting, the fragility of a major economy that we have and the major economic activity we have, the fragility of the supply chain was, was really exposed, I think, during this pandemic. Sourcing raw materials, getting the raw materials from manufacturer to customer. We've seen, we've seen the pandemic and then the pandemic was amplified with natural disasters and other issues. So the fragility of the supply chain was amplified to us. So it's, it's become a significant focus as we look at companies and how we invest today. But what's interesting is, is what we saw coming out of that is an acceleration of trends that were already happening. The, the move to um, digital, uh, how you accelerate efficiencies to take out risk out of the supply chain. Uh, how do you work with your suppliers and customers in a more partnership approach um, to make sure there's a continuum of resources coming through your businesses? All of that was happening, but what we saw happen in an accelerated way during the pandemic, it became much more business critical. But we expect, you know, despite that, we, we expect the middle market companies really to be successful when they're nimble, when they adopt and accept technology, when they bring strong management teams to deal with these sorts of issues. Th those are going to be the companies that succeed as the economy continues to recover. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about Pritzker Private Capital's committed club strategy? I'm curious why you opted for this model rather than investing Pritzker Family Capital exclusively. We had built up a, a significant franchise. We were seeing a meaningful flow of opportunities. And what we wanted to ensure was a sustainable strategy to take full advantage of what we were seeing. And as a result, we stepped back to try to make sure that we could have a business model that allowed us to do that. And so we evolved a traditional single family approach and basically adapted to the marketplace and the opportunities we were seeing. The market was, is massively overcapitalized and we needed a business model that allowed us to move with speed and certainty and scale. And so we, had, we evolved our model to deal with that, to try to accomplish the family's deployment objectives, but do it in the context of a marketplace that required certain uh, capabilities. And so we evolved the business model to bring in like-minded partners alongside us. It's one strategy, it's one business model. But what's interesting is we're increasingly seeing families adopt alternate structures and approaches as they deal with the demands of the marketplace. So it's, we're seeing an evolution of business models across families um, to take um, an alternate approach to deployment. One example of sort of, of, of partnering in the marketplace, we recently acquired a company called EDP. We acquired it with two other families here in Chicago, uh, the Duchess Wall and the Staines family. And we made the decision that by partnering, that bring, bringing like-minded partners together, we could build the company more effectively together than we could independently. So bringing like-minded um, philosophies, capabilities, perspectives to the table 
allows us to compete with uh, increasing demands of the market and the and increasing competition that we see from traditional sources of capital. It's it's powerful when a group of like-minded folks get around a table uh, to execute. Speed, certainty, and scale are the result. Among traditional private equity funds, there was some anxiety, I think, early in the pandemic around capital calls and whether they would be able to access funds from their LPs who might have been dealing with their own set of liquidity issues. Were there any challenges associated with the committed club strategy that PPC had to navigate? We're seeing terrific results and terrific collaboration with our partners. I mean, again, when you're careful about bringing like-minded partners to the table who want to deploy and build great businesses, um, you, you, can, you can do some amazing things. So it's been a terrific partnership. And it just has helped us execute um, our strategy that much more effectively uh, in terms of bringing a family pedigree to the table, moving with speed and certainty, bringing differential value to sellers who are looking for solutions. And it's underscored and reinforced our credibility in the marketplace in some ways. And this fact that we've got a group of partners that can move with decisiveness and do it in scale. And so I think it's only just reinforced sort of our benefits in the marketplace and reinforced our competitive advantages. Switching gears a little bit, your firm recently announced an initiative you're calling PPC University. Can you talk about that program and what you're looking to achieve with it? It's a a really exciting initiative. We're trying to bring professional development and executive education to employees across our companies. This is not a third-party for-profit initiative, but it's trying to bring professional development to our 20-plus thousand employees across our companies, especially mid-level employees, because we're convinced culture, team building, talent development are critical to building great companies. And we want to make sure that we're continuing to advance and develop our teammates. And and the other benefit is, is this was an important part of our uh, DEI strategy and objectives. We, we were particularly interested in having uh, women employees, minority employees sort of have access to education and access to professional development so they can continue to advance their careers through our companies. So did you partner with an external educational institution? Talk about how you develop the curriculum and, and focus for the program. We had an objective in terms of the types of of educational opportunities we wanted to provide. We wanted people to learn different disciplines. So an operations manager learning more about finance. We wanted um, a marketing person to to refine their skills in digital and e-commerce marketing. Um, So we wanted to expose people to things they weren't necessarily doing day to day, expose our employees to some of the advanced cutting edge uh, techniques and approaches in today's marketplace. So we, we, we're bringing um, sort of curriculum and talent to the table. Our advisors, our operations people are, are, are helping teach these classes, but we partnered up with a professional educator, Indiana University, to help us execute this. So we brought their faculty curriculum together with our curriculum thoughts and our team members and we think it's off to a terrific start. And it, we've, it's been received really well across our group of companies. Yeah, it makes so much sense given you know your comments earlier about the lengthy holding periods. If you're going to be involved in a company for 15 years, ensuring that the employees that, that you're partnering with are up to the task and, and ready to grow along with the organization, I think just makes so much sense. It's consistent with the strategy and the approach. And 
again, it all comes back to the team. And when you can advance people, make them feel good about what they're doing, give them the skills to go execute, it's amazing what they can do. You also announced last summer the formation of the Pritzker Private Capital Advisory Board. Can you talk about the role of that group and why 2020 was the right time to form it? Listen, from day one, we've, we've had a philosophy of integrating an operations perspective, talented executives experienced in the marketplace in their sectors together with an investing discipline. So it, those are intertwined disciplines. Now, again, we don't run companies. We partner with our companies. We help bring capabilities and expertise and resources to help them go execute their strategy and achieve their goals. This is just one more element of that, bringing operations capabilities to our companies. We wanted to bring a group of seasoned, proven executives who have led global institutions, multi-billion dollar institutions, who could bring that perspective to our middle market companies. Mm -hmm. And so we brought together a group of people, former president of Cintas, former CEO of Caterpillar, former CEO of Waste Management, to help us think about and help our companies think about opportunities and to advance their strategies and capabilities, access new markets, access customers, bring talent to the table, help us think about strategies, help them think about strategies and execution, both domestically and globally. And then we also wanted to have a set of proven executives to help us think about our business. You know, we, we believe in having great minds around the table. There's no monopoly on brain power. And we wanted to think through the business of our business and help us execute what we're doing. So it was something we'd been thinking about for a long time. And we decided that, that during times of challenge, we could execute all of this and be doubly advantaged by having that kind of talent around the table. It's been fabulous. They've added terrific value and insights and thoughts. And so we, we're excited about what we can do with the Pritzker Advisory Board and that team of people. Um, it's off to a terrific start. In recent years, the number of families investing directly in operating businesses rather than going through a fund has grown steadily. What impact, if any, do you see COVID having on that trend? Does it underscore the role for long-term flexible capital? Or does it scare off families who were maybe thinking about going down this path and now are a little spooked because they don't want to assume this level of risk? Again, I'll answer the question. It's done both. Mm -hmm. So it's, and I'll explain what I mean. As I mentioned, when your capital can focus on the important, not the immediate, when your capital is in the eyes of your potential partner is seen as differentiated, that you can bring a family understanding, a family dynamic, an understanding of the, the issues they're dealing with as a family and family business. And then you can be flexible in terms of how you structure that capital. You can be thoughtful in terms of the duration for which you're investing. When you can do that, it's obvious that family capital brings a dimension and a value to the marketplace that doesn't exist with most traditional capital. So I think a number of families recognize that, family investors. And so we've seen more family investors interested in deploying capital as the, as the merits and advantages of family capital became more apparent. At the same time, it was clear that some families who were interested in direct deploy recognized you better have the right strategy with the right team, with the right street resources to go execute. Because in periods of volatility, you, if you don't have those capabilities, you're going to be exposed. And so 
we saw some families see the volatility, see the risk, and recognize the flaws maybe in the strategies they were taking from a direct deploy strategy, pull back a bit. But at the same time, we saw fam other families basically double down. Reinf it reinforced their approach to the marketplace and the value of their approach. And so we saw both dynamics happen last year. And we expect that both dynamics will continue to happen. It's Family investing is massively advantaged with the right sellers, with the right partners. But again, it underscores the need to bring the right team, right strategy, right capabilities to the table. Last question for you, Paul. Can you talk about what Pritzker Private Capital's priorities are for 2021? And if you can, share any of, of your plans for the coming year. Let me just lay out the obvious, which is one, we want to keep our employees safe. We want to keep our team safe. That, that, that's job one. Um, keep them productive, keep them employed, but keep them safe. Mm -hmm. So that's job one. We want to partner with companies and strong management teams and build great businesses. That's the core mission that we're all about. So we, we're, we're going to be, continue to be front-footed in this marketplace to identify the right opportunities, the right kind of partners, and to continue to go execute our strategy. Uh, we, we're seeing terrific tailwinds. We're seeing terrific opportunities. Um, so we're, we're bullish about what 2021 is going to bring. And, and I, I guess I'd end by saying we want to continue to advance the benefits and advantages of family capital and family investing. It's, as you can tell, I'm a, I'm a believer. And I, I do think more and more of the marketplace advisors, intermediaries, family businesses are recognizing that there really is a third option. Um, there is, they don't have to partner with traditional private equity. They don't have to partner with a strategic conglomerate uh, to address their needs and opportunities. That, that there is a third option and, and it might be an option that's more suited to what they want to accomplish. So those are some of the things we want to accomplish this year. Um, nothing revolutionary, uh, but it's, um, we think there's a lot of opportunity to go do what we're doing and just do it better. Paul, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It was great to talk with you. All right, great. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.